It is great to have you on the Family Goals Podcast with David Pollock and Pastor Jay. I'm Joel and House, and on this podcast, we want to encourage you to grow closer to God, to strengthen your marriage, and to inspire your family to reach its highest potential. Today on the podcast, Pastor Jay's childhood pastor joins us for a great conversation on Holy Grit. Super special day on the Family Goals Podcast with David Pollock and Pastor Jay. Today we have uh, Dr. Dean Register founding and senior pastor of Cross Point Community Church in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. But the most important thing is that Dean has been my pastor for 38 years. Yeah. Wow. So pretty, sorry about that, Dean. Pretty I, I amazing. I'm real sorry about that, I, Dean. I came over on the Mayflower, so it's been a while. <laughs> I was actually born into the church. So, uh, no, hard, hard to believe. But, Dean, welcome welcome to the uh, Family Goals uh, podcast. so good to be here. Okay, Dean, uh, hold on. Before, I'll hijack this right now. <laughs> we need a good Pastor Jay story. Do you, do you have a good one? Like, oh, do you have man. a good knucklehead story? Me I mean, me you should have known this was coming from me, by well, the way. I, yeah, um, they're, they're all good, though. I mean, I remember when he was, a, like, a junior in high school, and, our, and, and Gulfport High School had this deal where you pulled the peg out, and they were kind of picking on the tennis player. If I remember right, he ties this thing all the way up and drops down. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. see there? That's is, that, is that a true story? Are you sure you got that? Say, a tennis player? Well, that's what I thought it was. You know, yeah. they, they tell me he went to, on a scholarship. I don't know if that's true. I don't know, I don't know whether the peg story is true or not, but I'm totally – I'm receiving it. <laughs> you don't, I mean, remem- you don't I, remember? I, I, yeah, well, <laughs> maybe it was that football player telling me that. No. <laughs> I'll take it. You don't, you don't remember that? It was I so long ago? It. Yeah, I don't long remember that. I, yeah. That's uh, a Pastor, long time Pastor ago. Pastor Jay, everybody, for everybody that doesn't yeah. know, he finished number two in the nation, right? Didn't you finish number two? Number two, yeah. Two yeah. in the nation First in loser. college tennis. It's pretty uh, impressive. Yeah. So, uh, and, and my most recent athletic achievement has been beating Davey in golf. <laughs> it's not an athletic <laughs> achievement, by the way. There's no athleticism <laughs> in golf. <laughs> That's more of an achievement, not an athletic there's, achievement. There's a lot of achievement. Um, all right, so uh, Dean has been my pastor for 38 years. Um, Davey, as I'm your pastor, Dean's my pastor. So when I'm going through difficult times and I need something, uh, prayer or counsel, I reach, out, I reach out to Dean. He's been there for me for 38 years. And so he's just written a brand-new book called Holy Grit, The Will to Persevere. And I want us to talk about that on the, on the podcast today. So, uh, incredible book. I'm a little bit biased because uh, you're my pastor, but I, <laughs> I really believe every, every chapter is good. Every, every sentence is great. I've, I've read the book. I'm highly recommending it. And I love how you take every chapter. There's eight chapters, and each chapter takes one of the heroes of the faith mm-hmm. and talks about how they were, they use holy grit how they had to persevere. And I want to talk about just perseverance in general at first. Because um, I think it takes perseverance in life, like like as, as we've been seeing uh, here recently and uh, with Davy's situation and family and, and even in the Holy Land and Israel, life's difficult. Life is hard. And it takes it takes a, a will to persevere just, just to make it through life. Mm. You know, whether you're an athlete, whether you're a pastor, homemaker uh, I, I think I think wives are, are great at persevering you know and, and godly wives especially but it does take it and uh, you know I, I think we fail to achieve our goals sometimes if we if we don't persevere what I love about uh, the family goals podcast is 
you guys talk real stuff. This this is where everything happens in the family, and and I think when the family's strong, the state's strong, the nation's strong. When the family's not strong, we're going to have problems. So how did you? Uh how did you what 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 got in what got in the dome like how how did it go from a, a thought in the head to to on paper? Yeah. Um, I, I start and tell that some of this is my story, my attempt to persevere through some adversity, and I wanted to do it in a way that would honor Jesus. And you know, sometimes we think perseverance just grind it out. Look at me, Lord, I'm really no, it's not that. I, I define it as working out the salvation that God worked in us. And, um, and, and I, I just share some of my struggles, uh, uh, my, my failures, and uh, some embarrassing things, like in the chapter of Simon Peter, uh, you know, say, how would you like it if your most embarrassing failure was recorded so that everybody that ever picked up the Bible could read about it? And I shared one of my embarrassing flaws, failures. I forgot a wedding. Almost. <laughs> now you and, forgot. I, I forgot, yeah. Uh, and, and so what I was doing, uh, Sharon had me go outside and uh, let me back Don't up. put that on Sharon. Yeah. Hold on a second. <laughs> let me back that up. That why Sharon had me <laughs> go outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let, let me frame it a little better. Um, I was supposed to do a wedding. The wedding coordinator said, uh, look, we know what you're going to tell them. You're going you're gonna to challenge them to live large for Jesus. You're going to take them through their vows and the rings. And uh, so you don't really need to be here for the rehearsal. I said, I love that because wedding rehearsals are boring. Amen, and, uh, amen to that. <laughs> and, so, and so I wasn't there for the rehearsal. And the next day, I thought, wow, I could have to spend the morning with Sharon. And uh, we had breakfast, and she had some azaleas or lorpedalums to plant. And we were out in the yard, and I was planting those. Uh, got close to lunch, went inside to eat. Then I said, I'll mow the, mow the grass. And I'm outside, and she runs out and said, Dean, did you forget you have a wedding? The wedding started at 2. It's 10 till 2. Oh. <laughs> and I said, uh, no, I just remembered. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I said, start the shower and, and call the coordinator and tell her to tell the instrumentalist, play everything you know. Uh, I'm, I'm coming. And so I... Uh, I run in and take a How shower. How far away was it? Uh, on green lights, 20 minutes. Okay, so that was that was fortunate for you. Yeah. That was a, yeah. That was a good one. Uh, and I had to shower and change. So, you know, I run in, I do that. Uh, she says, dress in the car. So I have on my T-shirt, my boxers, uh, putting my socks on. Hey, this is a G-rated show, so just be, be careful. Yeah, man, it's cool. <laughs> uh, and, and I'm stopping at a traffic light and pulling my trousers on. This guy in the truck looks down with disgust. And I'm like, hey, what would you think, buddy? You know? <laughs> and so, and so we, 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 she, she pulls into the parking lot almost on two wheels. I jump out, run past the ushers, and I, and I see the groom. And I'm glad he didn't have a knife or a gun in his hand, you know. I love that couple. They're a beautiful couple to this day. He bear hugs me. He says, man, I thought you'd gotten hurt in a wreck or something. I said, no, it was worse than that. I forgot. You know? <laughs> and so um, I go and do the wedding. You know, we walk in, but nobody's glad to see you when you're 45 minutes late for a wedding. And, you know, I was glad the bride's mother didn't give me the cutthroat sign. And um, But anyway... That was an embarrassing moment. I mean, it really was. It, it hurt me because I love the couple so much. But look, my failure has a shelf life. Simon Peters didn't. 
How did he get past that denial? What kind of grit does it take to get past that? And uh, so, you know, I, I talk about Simon Peter and, and that grit that it takes. And so, David, back to your question. I, I think I, I took eight Bible characters who had every reason to throw in the towel, and then instead they took the towel, wiped their brow, and said, I'm going to persevere. How did they do it? Abraham, Joseph, um, Caleb, Elijah, uh, Mary. Mary, talk about family goals. Uh, John the Baptist, Simon Peter, and then the Apostle Paul. And one of the things I did with the Apostle Paul is, you know, there, there's so much to be said for him because he said, I fought a good fight, I finished the course, I kept the faith. Great perseverance. But one of the things he did that gets overlooked, he subverted racism. And when we look at how Paul did it, man is an example for all of us to persevere in our faith. We're one in Christ Jesus. We're one family in Christ Jesus. So he tore down, like Paul said, Jesus tore down the dividing wall between us so that in Christ we're united. But anyway, so I just looked at those, and, and, and the Lord just poured into me because I'm not all that smart, and, you know, this is the result. I think everybody needs perseverance in life. I, I think about the Jimmy V quote, don't don't give up, don't ever, give ever, up. ever yeah. give up. And I think life, you need perseverance. Marriages need perseverance. Parenting, you need perseverance. <laughs> and even in, even in the Christian walk, um, you know, it's it's those who persevere to the end who 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 receive who receive the, the award, yeah. who receive the exactly. salvation in heaven. And so, uh, I think perseverance is is a huge uh, character quality. I guess it, would you call it a character quality? Yeah, I think it is. It's a virtue. I know, and and the scripture says, you know, perseverance develops character, mm-hmm. and the, I think the right kind of character, a godly character. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things I, I, I did with yesterday in the message with uh, uh, Elijah, man, he's a titan of the faith. Man, he's challenging. He's going. But then after Jezebel threatens him, he, his faith wilts. It, his courage just evaporates. And he runs and hides. And he says, God, life's not worth going on. Uh, you can just take my life. And then God has to speak to him in the cave. And that's why I say all of us have had cave days. Some of us have, have had cave months, but what do we do? And, and I noticed how God just stirred his heart. God always has a place on his team for broken believers. He always does. Let's talk about, let's talk about Elijah, that chapter on from the cave. And you, you shared that in the, me, in the message yesterday that, uh, and we, we, there's different illustrations we've used. We all go through storms in life. We go through valleys. You were talking yesterday about uh, being in the cave. Mm. And I think we can all relate to uh, whether it's depression, mental health issues, uh, just going through a, a difficult uh, time in life. So how, how do you persevere through difficult times? How, how do you walk through the valley of the shadow of death? I mean, how do you make it through, you know, Put one foot in front of the other, wake, wake up every day and keep pressing on. I don't think anybody really perseveres without prayer. Prayer is just essential. And, and one of the things I discovered about Mary, 
is Mary persevered anyway. What do we do with our anyway moments? Anyway, when there's, there's a crisis in our church, anyway, when we're, we're facing a career change, what do we do? And, and, you know, of course, Mary is told, you're going to have a baby. And she's like, no, I'm not. I'm not pregnant. And, uh, yeah, God's going to do it. Well, you know, how's that possible? Nothing's impossible with God. So I said, well, how do you do that? So we've got prayer. We've got a trust relationship to believe that God's going to handle this. I, I, I may not like everything about what he's going to take me through, but I can trust him that he's good and it's going to be good for me. And, um, and then I think it just takes, uh, I think John Piper said, you know, God enables us to do it, but we still have to do the walking in faith. It's not like, voila. And so there's that, that effort we have to put forth. You know, and, and I said yesterday, why? Because Jesus is worthy. Mm-hmm. He's worthy of it. And one day when I stand before him, I, I don't want to have to complain and say, well, Lord, I would have done this for you. Lord, I would have done that for you. But uh, somebody hurt my feelings. Uh, I, I, you know, I just, I just whipped out on you. I, I don't want to do that. I want to say, Lord, um, I stand before you by your grace. And I, I lost some battles. But for your glory, I, I think I persevered. I want to ask both of y'all a question. So I think there's people that are listening and that are going, okay, that, that's, that's cool. I get it. Persevere. I think my question would be is, because I think people are going to go, but I have doubts. And I want to hear from y'all who obviously are pastors who have seen a lot of highs and have seen a lot of lows. Like, how do you deal with doubt? I'll let the scholar answer that one. Oh, you're going to let me answer it? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, I think we all have doubts. Yep. And, and I love the story in the Bible of the, the Jesus was going to heal the father's son, and, uh, and he was having doubts. And he, he said, I believe, but help okay. my unbelief. And I think that's just being real and it's being honest that I, I have doubts all the time. And uh, there's, there's a big vision that God has called me to that I'm looking forward to, to sharing with our church. And, and I have doubts even, even about going public with it. But I feel like God has laid it on my heart. And then I, then I read Holy Grit. I read the chapter this morning on Caleb, which I really resonate with, with yeah, Caleb. He crammed this morning, by the way. I was, I was definitely doing some cramming. Uh, <laughs> Can't get back to Caleb, sorry. If you haven't figured this out, we kind of fly by the seat of our pants around here. You guys are the, the church version of Rick and Bubba. And I love it. <laughs> I love it. But I do think, I think, I think we, all, we all have doubts. And, uh, but you go back to our faith is on the truth of God's word. Our, our faith is on Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. It's kind of hard to argue, argue those things. What about you, Dean? Like a lot of bad things that happen to yeah. quote-unquote um, good people in bad situations. Right. And I, I think there are two types of doubt, honest doubt and dishonest doubt, if I might say that. Honest doubt says, Lord, I don't understand this. I, I don't get this. But a dishonest doubt shakes an angry fist and walks away. And therein, 
we have to have some perseverance. You know, uh, the old bard Shakespeare said, our doubts are traitors. They make us lose the good we might win by persevering. And, and I think the other thing with doubt is you can't doubt a relationship you don't have. Or uh, put it in this example, I don't doubt I have a Porsche outside because I know I don't. But I can doubt something I have, a relationship. And, and I think in this fallen world and, and with the temptations we face, and we have an adversary in Satan that's always at work uh, to make us doubt. So um, we have a choice. Can I trust God even in the midst of this doubt, or will I just wimp out and, and quit? Um, but for me, it goes back to trust anyway. Just trust anyway. And that's hard. And I think I think the battle is in our minds because that's where the enemy, Satan, will, will attack in our minds. And that's why you, you talk about the armor of God. You put on the helmet yes, of salvation right. because one of the biggest doubts that people have, biggest doubts that Christians have, is their faith, their yeah. salvation. Like, am I really saved? Am I really going to heaven? Um, and so that's why the enemy will attack our minds. And so... So putting on that helmet of salvation and going back to the, the truth of Scripture, the promises of Scripture, that he who has the Son has life. You know, if you, they yeah. got, the God is sovereign, that God is in control, that, that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who've been called according to his purpose. Mm-hmm. And I think about Abraham, you know, and, and God called him, and the Scripture says he went out going and not knowing. How do you go out and not know? I'd be full of doubt, but yet he trusted God anyway. And um, um, Joseph, uh, I love Caleb. I'm with you, man. Caleb's my favorite. You know, you get to the end of the story of Caleb, you talk about perseverance, and, and Caleb's 85, and he says, I want the hill country. There are giants there, and uh, I'm going to take them on. Uh, that, that's the kind of faith I want is, is that persevering faith. And so if I get to be 85 and I have to use tennis balls on the bottom of my walker and I have to wear the pins and I have to gum my food, I still want to be charging up the hill for Jesus because he's worthy. And uh, that fires me up, you know. And, and I think the closer I am to him, the more I can turn the doubts over to him. And that's not an easy thing, but it's an act of faith. It's, uh, Let's talk, let's talk about Abraham, talking about faith and, and doubts, because God calls Abraham to leave his family, to leave his homeland, and calls him to go, but he doesn't tell him where to go. Right. <laughs> and he doesn't, he That's says, right. <laughs> so, so ima- imagine, Davey, that, that God calls you and says, I want you and Lindsay and, and Nicholas and Leah to, uh, to pack up, and I want you to go, I want you to leave. All right, and I'll, put, as, I'll put it in the GPS, just tell me where I'm And going. as you go... <laughs> I'm going to show you. I just want you to go west, young man. And as you go, I'm, I'm going to reveal to you. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, the, the faith that it took for Abraham to pack everything up and just to go, not even know, knowing where he was going. One, th- one thing real quick with that, like, and this is something that's convicting for me, is like we look at, we look at so many stories in the Bible, and, and, we, and we go through them, and, and we know the outcome, and we kind of just take it for granted, and we kind of like, oh, that's, how, how does he do that? How, how could he do that? How could he not be faithful? How could he not do this? And you're like, if you put it in context, it's like, well, that's, that's us. Yes. Consistently. And, yes. and I think we just, 
I don't know. We just we, we read the stories. Oh, I do. I read the story mm-hmm. over and over, and I'm just like, mm-hmm. how do you do that? How do mm-hmm. you? Do? And then you're like, mm-hmm. I do it on the I do it on the regular. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's and we don't take that into into context of the and the time period and what was I, going on there. I love that. And and what I've tried to say is we know the end of the story. Mm-hmm. They didn't. They're in the middle of this life and death battle, and and sometimes we have what C.S. Lewis called chronological snobbery. Oh, we're at a more sophisticated age. Oh, we have all this technology. These guys were in the middle of it, and I've likened it to going to a movie theater and watching the D-Day invasion. And for us, while we eat our popcorn and drink our Coke, this is a movie. The guys that were there, (laughs) that's real. They stained the sand with blood. And and so when we look back at this, I have to remind myself, uh, they didn't have the privilege of knowing how it would turn out. They just had to persevere. It it is it is hard. Yeah, he's way better than you. <laughs> I see where you learned he, he's it. He's my pastor. I mean, jeez. Yeah. So, it is hard to read when you read the stories before trying to read them with fresh eyes. Yeah, you know, because I guess for you know thirty six years now, I've been reading these stories, and so I try to read different translations. Like I'm doing the New Living Translation now. Because it just it words it a little bit different. You try to think about it a little bit different. But I think every time you read the scriptures, okay, what what is God speaking to me in this this season of my life, this stage of of my life? So, and one thing with Abraham, uh, he didn't do it perfectly. No. Could you imagine one of us on this journey, and Abraham's coming into an area, and he's fearful of that ruler, that key. And he says to Sarah, hey, hey, go take it, honey. Yeah, yeah, t- yeah you take it, baby. Um, <laughs> uh, you tell them you're my sister. I said, what in the world? Could you imagine how Jennifer or Lindsay or Sharon would take that? Mm. <laughs> it wouldn't go too uh, well. It wouldn't be a family goal. It'd be a family death. <laughs> yeah, speaking, speaking of the family goals, I, could, I couldn't imagine giving my bride to some king and saying, oh, yeah, she's my sister. I mean, he, and, and to be fair, Abraham did it wrong a bunch he, of times. Exactly. Yeah. It's exactly. Not, it's, it wasn't just once. No. All right, like, yeah, I mean, that's that, it. Hey, just, and, and, I, and, I, and that's the thing. I think we all, and that's the part about perseverance and, and holy grit. That the, first of all, the book's awesome. Um, a lot of times we try to, we try to take it. And we try to listen to what God says, and we get a. Sometimes we get a little bit of a clarity, and then we go, "I got it." And then you start to tweak it a little bit, and start to change it a little bit, and and then it's not God's will anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. but but we try to take it, we try to take it on ourselves, and I, I think holy grit and perseverance is stop trying to take it. And what did I, what did I say last time? Like, Dean, I said we we we're always very like comfortable to leave things at the feet of Jesus. Mm-hmm. But we also come back and we pick them back up. Exactly. Instead of leaving it there, we're like, yeah, here you go, Lord, you can have this, but you're not doing anything. Like, wait a minute. Like, did you hear me? Exactly. Did you hear me? Did you hear me? Did you hear me? Did you? Okay, I'll I'll come back and get that. I'll I'll put it in the washing machine. You ain't going to wash it. Like, (laughs) you know, and, and the other thing with Abraham, you know, he has to wait. And that's why I said, I'm not good at waiting. Man, I'm drumming my fingers. I'm. I'm just, my ADD kicks in, and I'm not just good at it, and, and I, I didn't get the waiting gene somehow, but Abraham has to wait and wait and wait, and finally, when God says, you're going to have a son, it, there's an interesting little line in the scripture, 
And he says, oh, that Ishmael would be the one. Why in the world, when God fulfills a promise, do we want the Ishmaels of our own making instead of the treasure that God promised? Whew, that's crazy. I don't preach right there. <laughs> don't you love, though, in a scripture that it's not sugar-coated, mm-hmm. that we see the faults mm-hmm. and the flaws of, of these heroes of the faith and they're all they're listed in the yes. Hebrews chapter eleven as the heroes of the faith, but yet uh, the mistakes that they made mm. and all the ones you've mentioned. You mean Abraham, mm. of course mm-hmm. Peter. I think we can all relate to Peter. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about Peter. I mean, Peter <laughs> denies Jesus, yes. and just the the shame of that yes. and how he over. Uh-huh. I think all Christians can relate to to Peter. Yes, I, I think he is. He's one of the most relatable characters. One of one of my favorites in the New Testament. And, and what I noticed is when Jesus was on the shore after the resurrection and they're fishing, uh, and John says, it's the Lord. I love the fact that Peter doesn't say, are you sure? <laughs> he dives in the water. Man, he's swimming over there. And when he gets there, Jesus has already prepared a little fire and, and you know, the charcoal fire and prepared breakfast for them. And it's the second time he's had to smell that charcoal. Once before, warming his hands around the fire, and and even a little servant girl says, I think you are one of his followers. Oh, no, I'm not. And he denies it and curses, and now he's warming his hands by the fire. And, and, you know, I I just try to imagine, how would it have felt? You know, and and does he want to say, Jesus, I really just, I just, I don't know what to say, how badly I, I denied you. But he had some unfinished business. Jesus knew it. And Jesus always knows when I have unfinished business with him and he starts probing on me. And so that's why I think Jesus asked him, uh, Simon, do you love, love me? me? Yeah, yeah. Do you love me? Yeah, Lord, you know I do. Simon, do you love me? Feed my sheep. And, and Jesus was saying, go ahead and, and, go ahead and persevere. Live it out. Serve me. And... Um, and persevere, and, and, and then old Simon Peter, you know, he says, but what about him? And Jesus said, that's none of your business. You follow me. The first command Jesus gave to Simon Peter and the last were follow me. Hmm. Well, and, and you had to talk to Peter a lot because Peter liked to talk. <laughs> yes. He asked questions. <laughs> yes. and he was more than any, any disciple, Jesus talked to Peter. And more than any disciple, Peter talked to Jesus. Well, he was he was uh he, he was curious for sure. Uh and, and but I also think too with like you think about what Peter was about to embark on and what he was about to start and what he was about to go through, like there's no way that he could have been Peter if he didn't learn what that felt like to diso- to to basically disobey Jesus and the feeling that he got inside. Like, now he could relate to every single person out there. Because exactly. he thought he was a big deal. Like, Peter mm-hmm. was in the inner circle. Mm-hmm. He was like, mm-hmm. you know, like, I'm, I am I mean, somebody's going to betray, not me. <laughs> Who could possibly betray you? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, he was, he was not all for it. But I, I think that's, I think God uses all of our circumstances to, he takes, the, and again, that's what we got to remember when we're in a, in a state of perseverance, which is not fun. It's not always, it's not always fun. It's, it doesn't feel good. But it's always used for something that you can see it on the other side that you go, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And Peter was used that way because now when you're talking to people and you're starting a church, that mm-hmm. so many doubts, so much unbelief. I've been there. Mm-hmm. I've mm-hmm. been there. 
I've screwed up. Yeah, yeah. I denied it. Yeah. Like, but let me tell you right. about this. Exactly. So, and and you are one, and I'm not just saying this out of my love for you and out of my admiration for David. You are one of the most highly relational pastors I've ever known, and that's a great gift. And you, David Pollock, have been a hero for me. I watched you early on, and and my son and I would say, that's a ball player right there. That's good. But here you are doing a podcast because you love Jesus, and you love Jesus. And, man, you guys, you're not saying, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm great. You know, and I don't think Simon Peter ever thought of himself as great after that. You know, because Jesus said, do you love me? And by that, he, Jesus added more than these. What, what does these mean? These other disciples? Because you said you love me more than them. Or was it the these, this fishing career? Do you love me more than all that? And, and what you guys are doing so well is to just say to the world, yeah, we love Jesus. We're not perfect. As a matter of fact, uh, we fail a lot, as I do myself. But let's persevere. That's, that's a sweet thing to do. Well, life and leadership have a way of humbling us. I remember back in my 20s how confident I was. And then you, you get banged up a little bit in life. I think being, being in ministry, walking with Jesus, you're in the battle. So you're, you're going to take some shots. And you're going you're gonna to have some wounds. You're going to have some scars. And I'm going to read this quote from the Holy Grit book that, that really resonated with me. It said, The Lord is better served by the quiet and constant faith of a scarred follower than by the noisy and vain boast of a preening moralist. And you talk in the book about how God uses people who have scars. Let's, let's talk yes. about that a little bit. Yes, um, I was... Uh, I've served as an adjunct professor at New Orleans Seminary, and uh, a few years ago in a class, a student asked me, he said, Pastor, what do you look for when you're adding staff? And uh, I think they were fully expecting me to say character, and I, and I did. And, and I, I said, you know, chemistry, how do they relate? And I said, courage is big for me, but the main thing I look for, do they have scars? Because if they've got some scars, they've been in the battle. But if you haven't had any scars, it's, yeah, that's tough. So, and that's just me as a pastor. I look for scars, and, and scars are indicators. Um, I have a scar on my wrist here. I was stabbed. <laughs> we were camping out, 10-year-old boys, uh, and we had a rival <laughs> campout group. And uh, we were going to go over there and visit them, and a boy jumped out from behind the bush, threw a knife up toward my neck, was it intentional? No, but I threw my hand up, and, and probably a good thing, and he stabbed me in the hand and had to go get it stitched up. Well, I wanted that kid to say, I'm sorry. He never did. And, you know, and so I bear the scar. Now, I have a choice. I can stroke that scar and say, boy, I'm going to get him back one day. Or I can say, you know, just remember, um, that's a scar, and, and you need to live with it and, and grow from it. So, uh, we've all had scars. It was, it was really hard to finish that when you said rival campers. <laughs> yeah, man. What is a rival <laughs> camper? Well, yeah, I'm not a camper, but hey, what that like? Well, we are do, we having like battles? Well, like, was, hey, you get well, your crew, I get my I, crew. I was I thinking did. about the meatballs movie yeah. with uh, yeah. Bill Murray. Thank you. 
the, so, yeah, the, 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 the high expensive camp, well, and they were like the low, the low yes. lives. Uh, growing up in Adel, Georgia, man, that's a pretty, you know, small town, and yeah, we'd have little groups and uh, the firecracker illustration, you know. So uh, yeah, I guess pretty rival, rival campers. We're talking about having scars, uh, you have a you have a chapter in the book on Joseph finding finding a way to forgive, and I think that's a hard thing for a lot of us is. Uh, you know, because you're going to get scarred in life. You're, you're going to be betrayed. You're going to be let down. You're going to be hurt. Uh, people aren't always going to turn out to be who they who they claim to be. And so, how, how do you get? How do you forgive somebody? How, how do you get past? Yeah, yeah. When someone's really wronged you. A couple of things. Um, I, I think our culture has a misunderstanding of forgiveness. I think uh, you know. I've heard people say, "Oh, just forgive him." Forgiveness is not a denial of the hurt. Forgiveness is not being ignorant of the wound. Forgiveness is understanding that. And, and I said in the book, um, forgiveness is not just some emotional analgesic to make the pain easier. The Bible never describes it that way. Um, forgiveness is costly. We know that from the cross. And so um, it helps me um, to remember that forgiveness, well, let me put it, let me back up and put it like this. I think we have to have a posture of forgiveness, which is arms outstretched, heart open. Um, people may never respond to that posture, but it's there. God has that posture from the cross, the outstretched hands of Jesus, and there are plenty of people that never respond. For forgiveness to be complete, I have to own my sin and my failure and, and bring that before the Lord. And when you watch Joseph, he lines this thing up to pressure those brothers to a point of owning their sin, owning their, uh, their hatred, literally, of him. And so when he finally gets them together, remember, he, he has that banquet, and he seats them according to their age. Now, they didn't know who Joseph really was. But if I'm one of the brothers and this guy starts seeing us according to age, I'm thinking the prince of Egypt really knows a whole lot more than I thought. And uh, apologist Henry Morris said, that's a one in 40 million odds that you could just randomly do that. And so Joseph is getting them to a point of owning their sin. And I think it's Reuben that says, I told y'all, I told y'all we're going to pay a price for this. They're starting to realize their problem. And then Joseph says, uh, what you, in, you intended evil for me. He never denied the hurt. You know, and we've all been wounded by people, and they're like, they're flippant. They don't care. That's on them. But then there are those that come to us and say, man, I, I hurt you. I wounded you. Can you forgive me? Yes. Um, the transaction can never be complete until the one who's wounded you comes and owns it. And, and when you look at the process in the Bible, that's, that's the way it is. So I try to think of what Jesus has done for me to keep that posture open, to forgive. And, and then there are other things. I'll add this. Jonathan, thank you for that question. But I'll add this. Forgiveness is not forgetting. How often we've heard that. Well, if you can't forget, you know, you probably haven't forgiven. How does a woman who's been raped forget? How, does, how, how do parents 
who've had a child that was murdered forget. Those things are planted so deep in our brain, we, we just can't forget it. But we can choose to model what Jesus did for us, and, and that is hold out that posture of forgiveness. And, uh, um, and, and it's just it's a celebration when it really connects like that. Mm. All right, um, it's producer Bojack, so I got a story that I that I had to share about forgiveness real quick. So there was a person did work on my house, um, you know, uh, and long story short, basically screwed me over. Um, so for months, I was pissed at him. You know, I I did not draw him or his workers closer to Jesus. Uh, so I was going through one of uh, our discipleship books with one of the guys. And I knew for months that God was saying, well, Jack, you need to call and you you need to ask for forgiveness. And I'm like, I didn't do anything. <laughs> so it's Colossians chapter three. It says, make allowance for each other's faults yeah. and forgive anyone who offends you. Yeah. And I was like, Patrick, that's easy. Like, that's that's no problem. But here's in, in as, as we were going through the scripture, it says, remember, the Lord forgave you. So you must forgive yeah. others. Yeah. And I was like, Patrick, I got to call this guy right now. So I called him up. I was like, hey, dude, this is the most awkward conversation. And he was like, oh, dude, trust me. And I was like, dude, I need to ask for your forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And he's like, what? Mm-hmm. I was like, dude, I did not draw you closer to Jesus at all. The things I was thinking about you, the things that I said to you. Um, and so I was like, dude, like God's been pressing on me. And so I think that just, I mean, I got kicked in the face. Because like, wait a minute. Like, God forgave me. So I was like, dude. I forgive you. Exactly. And, yeah. and that's the standard right there. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah. But it's hard. I, I, I'm Way easier said than done. Yeah, man. Amen. Way it's easier so than hard. And, and, um, and you, know, you know what, though? But to add to it, too, forgiveness in that situation, too, with Woj and forgiveness with our life, it's also not, I'm sorry, but... That's not forgiveness. Like uh, trying to seek forgiveness. I've done that so many times with my kids. I'm sorry, but you know, you did this. So it was your fault. Like I, I just put that back in your court that you did something wrong. Like, no, 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 I'm sorry. That's it. Shut up. Don't add the, but don't add the, I was thinking that I don't need any of your justification. They don't need any of your justification. I shouldn't have done it. I'm sorry. Absolutely. No, but. Absolutely. And, 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 you know, it's so important for us in, in, in those moments to just come clean and, and to own it. And, and it's such a celebration when someone that's wounded us, harmed us. And that's what I pray for. We all have people, probably, we know, they're never going to come to us. We still have to have that posture. Uh, you know, our, our hearts are open, you know, and, and, and that's what we want. But, um, Forgiveness doesn't mean I'm going to wave a magic wand and everything's great. You know, uh, I had to counsel a, a lady that had been through horrible abuse, and she said, do I need to go back? I said, that's a matter between you and the Lord to pray through, but I don't think you have to put yourself in a position in which your life can be threatened. And, uh, you know, um, she she heeded that and it was a wise thing to do, um, but there are times that I think in in marriages we need to persevere through hardships, but there are other times when the forgiveness doesn't necessarily mean 
I'm going to go back in that harmful situation, you know. Uh, that's not wise either for her or the children. So, but yeah, it's hard. As, as Davey said, e- easier said than done. One, yes. of, one of the verses that resonates with me is when he, um, the Lord says, uh, vengeance is mine, says mm-hmm. the Lord, and kind of leave it in his hands. But a lot of times I kind of I kind of have the wrong attitude. So I just hope God just <laughs> zap them. Yeah, <laughs> send the lightning <laughs> bolt. Them. That's right. <laughs> well, holy grit, the holy grit, the will to persevere. It's worth it's worth reading. I highly recommend it. So, where where can people buy the book? Yeah, um, they can obviously call uh, Westboat Publishing, but I recommend Amazon. It's easier. It's quicker. <laughs> just, <laughs> just go there. Yeah, life and, is on Amazon. Bro. Amazon yeah. is taking over yeah. the world. So yeah, and, and so holy know, grit I, on Amazon. It's it's been amazing to me how the book has resonated across the nation, and uh, and I think it's an issue that people want. Um, and according to Amazon, uh, it's in the ninety nine point five percentile of books on the Christian faith for the last two or three months. Um, and and I guess it helps if you have a big line publisher, and I, I didn't, uh, even though they're a division of Thomas Nelson, but uh, I'm thankful. God's used it. And, and in the preface, I said, the, this book didn't have to be published. It did have to be written. And, and that's why I just felt I, I need to write this. Uh, Lord, give me wisdom and direction. And uh, quoted Tozer in there, and Tozer said, um, the only book that really should be written should come out of the depths of our heart. And uh, I, I, I think that's true. But Amazon's where they can get it. They can just uh, go to Amazon Books, and there'll be holy grit, well, the will to persevere. Thank you for writing the book. It's it, inspiration to me, and I want to thank you just for being my pastor, for being a, being a model and example uh, of a pastor, a husband, a father grandfather looking forward to those days not to put any pressure on jolin we wanted him to get married first i'm not sure people people keep asking me at church why are you always giving jolin a hard time so and jolin jolin's sticking his hands up in the corner i agree (laughs) just waiting for the right Right. one all right Let, let me encourage you two guys before we wrap this up oh man your voice is needed in this culture and uh, you didn't, ask, didn't ask me to say this, and, and I'm going to say it. Here's the script. Yes, it is. Okay, yeah, thank let you. Me give family you. goals. I got, I got $100 uh, right here. Everybody <laughs> needs to listen to the Family Goals podcast. Uh, you guys are real to the core. You love Jesus. You love your families, and you, you model that. You know, you, you just model it so well. And uh, Jonathan's told me all about Lindsay and how awesome she is. And, you know, let's, let's confess. All three of us married way over our heads. so It's one thing we can definitely agree on. That's right. Exactly. Thank you again for listening to this week's Family Goals podcast with David Pollock and Pastor Jay. We absolutely loved having Dean with us today. He's so wise, and there's just so many good quotes that you can pull from this podcast. This is just a small, tiny preview into what all Dean dives into in his new book, Holy Grit, A Will to Persevere, which is now available on Amazon. Go get it.